Well, let's look at Proverbs 4.20 this evening. Proverbs 4, verse 20. It says, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. That's an awesome uh, section of scripture here. Let's look at Proverbs 4.20. Go back to verse 20. It says, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Now this is uh, advice given from person to person, but this is the word of God. When you read the word of God, you take it as God's word to you, and all this applies. Verse 20 says, My son, give attention to my words. Well, what are the words of life and truth? It's his words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart your, from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. The Bible says in verse 20, Give attention to my words. Give attention to to words of truth, to God's words. Be aware of what you give your attention to. There are so many things vying for our attention. The Bible says there are so many voices in the world and none of them without significance. There, there, there is noise, always. Been that way for a long time, you know, for decades and decades, but, you know, you go back a hundred years, you didn't have all the avenues to hear information like you do now, right? There was information, there wasn't as much, you know, human knowledge wasn't to the degree it is now, but the avenues, just in the last 10 years, there are so many avenues where you can get information coming at you. You can spend your whole day having inputs of some sort. You could be at the job, but you could be piping stuff in through headphones or you know, music or, or different things. We need to be aware of what we're giving attention to. The Bible says give attention to His words. What we listen to and focus on will determine where we go. Because as we're listening, it's going to affect our mind. It's going to affect our understanding. It will affect our believing. It will determine what you accept and what you reject. What we listen to, what we give our attention to, will determine then in turn what we're willing to take, what we're willing to accept. And it also determine what we will push back on. If we hear God's word, if we hear his truth, then it's going to change our perspective of the world around us. It'll change our perspective of circumstance. You can hear certain things and then, you know, people will hear uh, certain things that aren't really the Word of God, but uh, they're men's beliefs. And when they hear certain ideas, they can be inclined to accept things 
that the Bible says you shouldn't accept. Because they may have heard that it's God's will for certain things to happen when in fact the Bible clearly teaches you shouldn't accept certain things and they'll open their arms to it. Open their arms to destruction as the will of God. Well, that comes from not focusing on what God actually said. We must be diligent to listen to His words and shut anything out that is opposed to His words. He said, give attention to my words. So we got to be diligent to focus on what he said. And focus on anything that's not what God would say, we have to filter it or shut it off. Shut it out. Because it will affect us. The enemy is subtle. Deception is subtle. It changes your perception little by little. You know that analogy of a... A frog boiling in water. Everybody knows that. You know, you can put a water... Uh, uh, if, you, if you have a pot of boiling water and you throw a frog into it, he'll jump right out. But if you take room temperature water and put the frog in there, he won't jump out. But you can start boiling that water little by little and the frog will not jump out until he's cooked. And that's what happens in the world. People don't understand that deception is subtle. You hear something here, hear something there, oh, that, won't, that won't affect me, but it's changing your perception little by little. It's, you may be over here and think, well, I can, I can handle any, I can, I can listen to it. I'm mature. I, I know the Word of God. But you start, if you expose ourselves to different ideas that aren't the Word of God, it starts shifting our perception little by little. You know, you don't want a little of something bad. Somebody, you know, said this. They, they were given an analogy about that. And they, they were talking about, you know, they had a group of kids, and it, it was an, uh, an illustration to a group of kids. Said, you know, we made this um, batch of, of cookies or whatever. And they were all excited and said, well, there's some poison, just a little bit of poison in the cookies. Who wants some? Well, they don't want, you don't want just a little bit of something that's going to kill you. Well, it's just a little bit. A little bit of what? I mean, it could, you could be killed over dead. No, we, we got to be conscious of the fact that the enemy is subtle. Psalm 12, verse 6. It says, the words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a, in a furnace of earth. Purified seven times, you shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. The words of the Lord are pure. And this gives, this, uh, gives illustration of being purified over and over. In other words, when you, you're purifying metal... The, the impurities come to the, the surface as you're heating it, and then you scrape those off and do it again, and then do it again. This is seven times. That means what's left is pure. That's like the Word of God. There is no uh, deception. There is nothing wrong in God's Word. It is all right. It is all correct. It is all truth. We got to make sure that what we are putting in is truth. If we're, look, if we're having uh, problems with our thinking, 
If, if we're having problems with being fearful or being anxious or being angry or, uh, you know, there's things that push on our flesh, we should look up, uh, uh, up the line and say, what are we feeding on? What are we putting in? What are we allowing to come into our eyes and our ears? Because if it's not God's word, it's going to affect us over time. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Verse 16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It came through men, but it is inspired by the Lord, by God Almighty and is profitable for doctrine, that's teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So how do you become thoroughly equipped? By listening and fixing your attention on the Word. Not by just listening to whatever. It, when we let other things come in, it's diluting the truth that's in us. So if you've heard truth, any untruth that we let in can dilute what we've heard. And it can confuse us. It can push us in the wrong direction. You don't ever reach a point where you can stand to hear untruth and it not have any effect on you. You'll have to push back on it. Well, why do you want to push back on something that you could avoid. Why put yourself through into the mode of having to reject something? Why not just don't put it there in the first place? Cut it off. Cut off the, the reasoning that would go with it. You don't need, we don't need ideas in our minds that deceive someone. In other words, if it's wrong and it's against the Word of God, and it has gotten the attention of people and deceived them, why would you mess with that and put it into your mind? Well, I'm strong enough, I know enough truth. You're messing with something that deceives somebody. Deception, by definition, you don't know you're deceived. Otherwise, you wouldn't be deceived. So when you start letting it in, you can start saying, well, you know, but there's this and this. You're on the path to starting to move away from the truth. Why would we put something like that in? It's all around us. There are so many sources of information that aren't necessarily truth, that aren't right. We have to filter everything that we hear by the Word of God. And if we hear a source that is consistently giving information that is against what we know is God's word, we need to disconnect from it because it, it, will, it will taint uh, our understanding. Luke 4 verse 1, Jesus, example of Jesus here, uh, verse 1 says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterward when they had ended he was hungry. 
And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Satan is coming to Jesus with deception. Number one, Satan knows he's the Son of God. There's no question. He said, if you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. He, by his question, by, by what he is saying to Jesus, he is trying to influence Jesus in the wrong direction, trying to get him to prove who he is. If you're the Son of God, well, see, that's, that's wrong right to begin. There's no question. He is the Lord of Lords. Satan knows exactly who he is. And he's trying to get him to say, well, you, you prove it. And he says, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus said, verse 4, answered and saying, It is written, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So he countered Satan's deception with truth. But look at the truth that he said. That's what I, really what I want to focus on. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. God's word, we are to live on God's word the way we live on bread, the way we live on natural food. God's word is to beat us spiritual food. Well, you can't go a real long time without natural food. Spiritually, you can't go without the word of God without becoming weak. And if we are eating, if we're bringing in a bunch of junk, we're going to become weak. We're going to become frail, spiritually speaking. And if we have symptoms of being frail, we need to look at what is our diet? What are we, what are we putting in? What is coming in? You, you know, we can avoid having thoughts rattle around in our head for three days if we just don't introduce the thought into our mind. If, so, if something is constantly agitating you, we maybe look upstream and just cut it off so I, we don't have to deal with the echo. You know, there's so much fear in the world. So many thoughts of fear. So many ideas of fear. Something you didn't even think about. And then somebody says, you're like, well, that's a possibility. And now that's occupying your mind. You didn't even know there was a possibility. You didn't even know about that area. Maybe it's not your you know, area of expertise. And well, this such and such could happen. You're like, really? That's possible? But now you have something that you think you need to worry about. What if we just didn't listen to it? And cut it off? Could be true. The fact that what... The, the possibility could be true, but what does it mean in the light of God's word? What, what does it mean to the child of God? You know, we spent last, last uh, time Wednesday talking about Psalm 91 and talking about the protection of God. Uh, I encourage you, if you didn't listen to that message, go back and listen to it. Uh, there could be things that are true, things that could come against you, but for the child of God, God's truth is higher and his protection is unlimited. It doesn't matter what the weapon is. It can't stand against the power of God. So somebody, now, if, you, if we're focusing, somebody's bringing something that they're fearful of, uh, you know, a possibility, and you start focusing on that instead of what God's Word said, it could be true in a certain situation, but if you back up and look at God's truth, now, even though this is true, there's a greater truth that counteracts that, and now there's nothing to be worried about. But it's where we focus. It's what we're looking at. Well, if we're going to be strong in God, if we're going to be 
um, strong in our belief, we're going to have to look to His Word. And it's going to have, we're going to have to be focusing there more than anything else. And not just seeing how much we can take before it starts affecting us. You know, where's the line? How much can I get before I start? Okay, well, I'll just pump, pump, pump this other stuff in, and then, okay, now I better go get into the Word. That's not smart. Again, we, we need to look at what, what are we listening to, what are we looking at in all areas of our life, and, and, and realize that if it's not God's Word, it's going to be bringing us in the wrong direction. Ephesians 4, verse 11 It says, He Himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Talking about the, the ministry gifts that God has placed in the body of Christ. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the building up of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man or mature man, perfect means there, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, verse 14, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. He's saying the, the Word of God coming through these, these ministry gifts we look to the Word of God, but there's also, you know, we should be reading the Word of God, we should be listening to the Word of God, but there is also the ministry gifts in the body of Christ that we should be putting ourselves, making uh, ourselves available so that we can hear the Word of God in a teaching setting, in, under the anointing, the, the Spirit of God teaching us, so that we're built up. If we look at uh, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, What's the, for the equipping for you to be able to do what we need to do in the world, for the work of the ministry, everybody has a ministry. If you're in the body of Christ, if you're in the church of the living God, you have a ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, for the building up. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man or mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. That means carried to and fro by teaching. By somebody says this, but it's not right, well, oh, and get up all in, in arms and excited or worried. We need to filter what we hear by the Word of God, even if it's coming through so-called Christian channels. Did you hear me? Just because you put the label Christian on it, you still put it up against the Word of God. Amen. Because something can have the label Christian on it. And unfortunately, sometimes uh, Christians are so apt to just take that and start swallowing it and, not, and say, well, this is Christian. It's okay. I'll, I, I can just take it in. What does that mean? Is it lined up with the Word of God? Because that's the standard, not somebody's idea. 
And so we, we really got to be careful because there's so many, there's so many uh, channels and voices of information and so much noise. If you have all that bouncing around in your head, you can get fearful and excited by some, something that sounds like it's coming from a Christian source, but actually, if it doesn't bring comfort, if it doesn't bring strength, if it's not edifying, you need to seriously look at what's the source and does it line up with the Word of God because God's Word does not bring fear. God is over all. And God, as children of God, we are under His protection. We are in His family. That means there could be stuff that could be truth, but again, what's the context of the truth? If, stuff, if things bring fear, then we've got to seriously look at what, what is the source of it. Verse 14 says, what, That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about, with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body and edifying of itself in love. So true... Christian, biblical teaching is going to edify, it's going to build up, it's going to strengthen us. Proverbs 4.23, so the next verse, we read, let's, let's go back and um, let's just read Proverbs 4.20 and then we'll go into 23, what we just read to start off with. If you can go back to verse uh, 20. It says, My son, give attention to my words, Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. The word of God is life and health. Then verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. See, the word of God goes into your heart. Faith is of the heart. Belief is of the heart, and so we need to keep our heart. We need to be careful what we listen to in our heart because it says, for out of it spring the issues of life. In the NLT version, or NLT, verse 23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What's in our heart, what we let into our heart determines where we go determines what we, where we end up. Joshua 1 verse 8, or before we go there, let's look at uh, Proverbs 12, 25. It says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. And anxiety in the heart of man, it causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Well, what's the word of God? It's a good word. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, can cause you to give up, can cause you to say, what's the use? But a good word, the word of God, the word of truth, will make you glad. Doesn't say everything's always going to be perfect in life. But the Bible says, through the challenges, 
Jesus said, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have challenges, but that's not where it ends. We'll overcome. Well, if, if, you, if you're focusing on all the bad that could happen, this could happen, this market could do this, this, this could happen, you know, health-wise or whatever, this relation, this, it, that can cause you to have anxiety and depression. But the Word of God will bring balance and truth and peace and comfort onto the scene. And so we have to guard our heart because the issues of life spring out of it. That means the, the direction of our life, what affects our life, come out of our heart. So what comes into our heart is going to affect how we relate to life. So we have to guard. We have to be careful what comes in, and we have to push back against anything that would be against the Word of God. We have to look at the right things. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. See, if you focus on the right thing, focus on the Word of God, then you'll be going in the right direction. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So as, if, if, if information comes in that would contradict the Word of God, we need to know what to do with it, and the answer is not just take it and think about it a long time. We can't let our mind be an open gate. If it contradicts the Word of God, if it exalts anything, it says here, Everything, high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, we need to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That means we have a filter that if something comes in, whether it's from a source, whether it's a thought that drops in, if it contradicts the word, we need to actively push it out. We need to guard our heart. Because what we meditate on will get into our heart, will affect our believing, and that will affect what we do. In the Amplified Classic, this same verse, verse 5 says, Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. We lead every thought, that means that the thought comes in, we look at it and say, does this line up with the Word of God? If the answer is no, we reject it. We can't entertain it. We can't let it sit in our mind for a while. You know, when we say entertain a thought, what does that mean? Well, when you entertain somebody at, at, at home, what does it look like? If somebody comes to your door and you don't know them and they're trying to sell you something... You have some options. You could just say, I'm not interested, and, and let them go down the road. You could say, oh, well, 
Come on in. Sit down. You want some tea or coffee? Let's talk about this. Well, you're entertaining them now. Now, you may not think you needed what they were selling, but after listening to them for a half hour, you might start thinking that, well, maybe I do need it. And then when they leave, you could have bought something that you never intended to buy. Could be. Well, when Satan comes knocking at your door, when there is a thought that doesn't line up with the Word of God, entertaining that thought would be thinking about it a little bit, thinking about it some more, sitting down and going, well, what about that? What about this? I mean, that's a good point. You're, you're setting yourself up to be influenced now. And the longer you entertain a thought, the more likely it is to get you, get, to affect your other beliefs, to try to wear into your heart, to get access to your heart, to where, where you did not think that you were going to be buying into this thing, pretty soon it's affecting the way you see and the way you feel. And now you're, you're, you're sad where you, you weren't sad and you're starting to think about that more and more. That's where we have to guard. When we, when we detect a thought or an idea that, that is contrary to the Word of God, the right thing to do is refute it right away, send it packing, and don't give it any more thought. And if it pops up again, do the same thing. And if it pops up again, do the same thing. You say, what if it happens a hundred times? You do the same thing. There isn't a time where you stay, okay, well, you've come back a hundred times. All right, come on in. And start thinking about it. We shut it down. We have to hold fast to what the Word says in spite of other voices coming in. Look at Mark 5, 21. <clears throat> Look at a couple examples of holding fast to the right thing, looking at the right thing. God, the, our, our, uh, the verse said, Give attention to my words and guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. Look to his sayings. Because uh, life, they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Mark 5, 21 it says, when, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So now we're not going to take time to read this, uh, the middle part. What happens immediately after is another woman that had an issue of blood comes in and presses into Jesus. She gets healed. But that's right in the middle of when Jesus is going to Jairus' house. So we'll pick up in verse 34. It says, And he said to her, the woman that had been healed, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So Jairus comes, asks Jesus, will you, my daughter is at the point of death. Will you come and heal her? So he starts going with her. In the middle of it, there's this crowd. And then there's this other situation with this woman. And so now, this other lady has been healed. And then verse 35, we pick up, while he was still speaking, so he just got done talking to this other woman. They're trying to make their way to Jairus' house. 
Some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, from Jairus' house, and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So Jesus is going with Jairus to heal his daughter. People then come from Jairus' house to Jairus and say, Don't trouble him any, anymore. Your daughter is dead. Verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Now, Jairus has a choice. He just heard from the people that came from his house, your daughter is dead, don't bother Jesus. Jesus said, don't be afraid, only believe. So he just told him, you look at what I'm saying right now, by him going with Jairus, he's already said, I'm going with him. Well, Jairus knows, if Jesus is coming with me, while he's going, he just saw another person get healed. Jesus now says, you don't be afraid, only believe. Now, Jairus has a choice. Do I look and listen to the voice of people, real, that just came and said, your daughter's dead? Can you imagine? This isn't a, a, a fictional story. They are actually coming to this man saying, your daughter's dead, don't trouble him any longer. Je Jesus says, don't be afraid. In other words, don't listen to what they just said. Don't be afraid, only believe. Now Jairus has to choose what he's going to look at. Verse 37, and he permitted no one to follow him except for Peter, James and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult. And those who wept and wailed loudly, when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? This child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. So Jesus, is Jesus speaking the truth? He's saying he, she's dead, but he, he knows he's, she's dead, but he's saying she's going to come back up. And they ridiculed him. Said, you don't know what you're talking about. But when he had put them all outside, notice he took all the people that were saying the wrong things and he removed them from the situation. He got them out. Could that offend them? Sure. What's more important, that the daughter comes back to life or that somebody isn't offended? Sometimes we just got to shut out the stuff that is not right, regardless if it offends somebody, because there is a higher priority involved. There's something more important. And listen to what God said is more important than what somebody else thinks about the matter. They ridiculed him and he put them all outside. He took the father and mother of the child and those who were with them and they entered in or entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the little girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement, but he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that they should give her something to eat. So what if Jairus would have listened to the people that came and said, she's dead, don't trouble? What if he had walked away and said, all right, he wouldn't have seen this. But he listened to what Jesus said and held fast to the words that Jesus said, the word of God, the word of truth. There were other words, there were other thoughts, there were, it looked obvious. If you were to look at the situation and say, well, obviously, she's dead. But he didn't look at that, he looked at what 
Jesus had said, what God had said. Let's look at one more. Matthew 14, 22. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Verse 25, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. Verse 27, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Verse 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So Jesus told him to come. This is impossible physically, but it's not impossible generally. This happened. This is not allegory. Verse 29, so he said, come... And then Peter got down and started walking toward him. Verse 30, And when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now what is he looking at? He's looking at the waves, he's looking at the wind, and he has taken his eyes off what Jesus said. Those circumstances are speaking to him right now. They're screaming at him. You can't walk on water, the wind is blowing. And the waves are big. And you know as well as I do, Peter could not walk on water if that, if that uh, sea were completely smooth. That had nothing to do with it. And he let the circumstance yell at him. And he started listening to that rather than what Jesus said. Jesus said, come. You can walk. The same way Jair, he told Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. Yeah, but your daughter's dead. So he could have said, yeah, but she's dead. Yeah, well, Jesus said, only believe. Here, Jesus told him to come. The waves are telling him, you're going to sink. So what's he going to look at? What is he going to give his attention to? There are, see, those are sources. Those waves and uh, the wind, those are talking to Peter right now. Have you ever had circumstances talk to you? Have you ever had financial figures talk to you? Have you ever had symptoms in your body talk to you? You may not hear them, but there are thoughts that accompany what you see. Well, that's when we have to choose. Wait, wait, what am I going to look at? And I have to shut down anything that's going to tell me the wrong answer. Because it could be life and death. I have to shut it down and say, wait, that's contrary to God's word. I, I'm going to focus on what he said. I am going to let my heart be focused on the word of God. Verse 31, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? The circumstance could not affect what Peter was doing. It was what he focused on that made him sink, 
not the water. The water, and I mean, the fact that there's waves has, does, did not make him sink. Because he was already walking on it prior. It was him taking his focus off the Word of God. What we focus on can make a difference in the outcome of our circumstance. What we, what we look at, what we listen to, we may be doing fine. We're looking at the Word. We're going and doing what God told us to do. But if we start listening to other sources that can start introducing doubt and start introducing fear and anxiety, and if we start giving those attention, we can take our eyes off the Word of God, and even though it's God's will, even though it's God's plan, even though it, it's God's Word and it's truth, we can take our eyes off it and start looking at something else and be robbed of what God has for us. What we let into our heart can make all the difference. So we need to guard our heart, and we need to focus our attention on what He said. Be diligent. Don't let our guard down. Don't let thoughts through. If they're wrong, we throw them aside. Be diligent and focus on what the Lord said, and we can come through any situation. Amen.